Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. We're in the rolling forest of Sri Lanka where Ceylon tea is handpicked and harvested. We're here to find out what makes this tea so special. Making the tea, this is silo tea. This is a, we are taking only the bud. This tea is very, very expensive. 1867 is the first plant being planted in, in Sri Lanka. So since then, there were some uh, people, well-skilled people being brought from uh, in south of India. And so generations they have been here. Each of these delicately plucked leaves are then hand-packed. It's very difficult uh, to sort of have a missionary to pluck tea. Robo cannot think and do certain things. On top of all the factors, the most important thing is the human touch is very, very important to tea process, and especially plucking tea. Tea is one of the world's most ancient beverages, and today remains the most consumed beverage in the world after water. To many of us, we know tea in its most modern form, which is that we steep the tea in our mugs by unwrapping those little paper envelopes that hold string tea bags from dried and crushed leaves. However, that's not how much of the world drinks tea, and the history of tea is complex, and its practice spans across multiple Asian cultures. Earliest records date drinking tea to the 3rd century AD in the Yunnan province of China, when indigenous tea plants in the wild were harvested and used for medicinal purposes, 
Soon thereafter, it was brewed as the precursor to the tea that we know today. In today's show, we're going to explore global expressions of tea, the rituals and ceremonies that accompany tea, and we will learn how the leaves harvested from this shiny leaved shrub-like plant produces one of the beverages that is the most consumed around the world. Today on Point of Origin, it's tea time. One of my absolute favorite parts of visiting New York is when I have an opportunity to come to the West Village, find a little corner in your tea shop, and move through the menu methodically drinking all the oolongs. It's one of my absolute favorite places on earth. So, Well, thank you so much. That's very kind. We're lucky to have the, the audience that we have and the neighborhood that we have. So all the teas that we know, you know, in the supermarket, the from anything from Lipton to, you know, the recent trend of matcha, um, green teas, oolongs, black teas, white teas, everything that we see that's not an herb or a flower, they're all uh, from the same plant. Um, this plant is called Camellia sinensis. So this is Elena Lau, who is the owner of Tay Company in the West Village of New York. Elena is a first-generation immigrant who grew up in New York City. She didn't have any direct connections to the world of tea, but she was born in Taiwan, which is sort of the next best thing. Yes, I actually didn't come from a tea family. I didn't come from a tea business or either in production or trade uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but I did grow up in Taiwan where every family drinks tea. It's ingrained in the Chinese culture or any Chinese heritage countries where it like tea drinking as tea gifting. You know, it's a very much part of your life and you don't think twice about it sort of like New Yorkers and pizza. You don't really think about the dough all the time or the, where the sauce comes from. You just have it in your life. So she started sourcing teas on her trips to Taiwan and across Asia, which was just the starting point. I remember only getting teas from Taiwan when my mom would mail them or when I go home and I would get them. And anytime I run out, I literally have nowhere to go in, you know, sort of the only thing that's available to me is a grocery store. It really is sort of like a living hit historical artifacts of like what culture and civilization had developed this beverage from plants mm-hmm. um, the different styles of it sort of went to different parts of the world so that became interesting for me and then ultimately I started sourcing them started visiting you know when I go to Taiwan I would visit families friends and you know, people who understand really good quality food really good quality wine really good quality coffee can really absolutely relate to really good quality tea and sort of over time figured out that I need a little tea room to really showcase them and have a place for people to come in. You can't sell this stuff on the internet. You can't sell smell. You can't convince someone, you know, the craft that went behind these products. So let's take a step back to understand more about what tea actually is. 
It comes from the leaves of a plant called Camilla sinensis. It's a fairly nondescript looking shrub that originates in East Asia. And a simple way to think about tea is really the same way that you would think about wine. So wine comes from grapes and teas come from leaves. The grape variety that's used in wine production is called Vitis vinifera. And the name of the plant used in tea production is the aforementioned Camilla sinensis. So while there are many different types of teas, most of the variances that you'll experience in flavor, aroma, and taste are based on the variety of Camilla sinensis, plus how it's grown, harvested, processed, and stored. So how we process the tea plant after it's harvested is what define them to be green teas, oolongs, whites, and blacks. What is oolong tea and what makes it so special? The main difference between them is oxidation levels. Um, so imagine when you pick the tea plant off the stem, you know, if you leave it on the table after a few hours, it will brown. The same way as if you cut open an apple, it'll brown. Cut open an avocado, it browns. It's the plant's natural way of decaying by interacting with the oxygen in the air. Um, and that simple process, I'm sure a physicist will explain this better than I can, but it's called oxidation. Green tea, by definition, is non-oxidized. And black tea, by definition, is fully oxidized. So what that means is when you harvest a tea plant, if your intention is to make green tea, you will heat the tea leaves up right away when you harvest them. It's the enzymatic reaction to kill the enzyme so that it doesn't oxidize the oxygen in the air and therefore keep it bright green. For black tea, you would let it oxidize 100%. So let it naturally decay fully, brown naturally. Therefore, black tea is much darker or much more coppery brown, the same way as your apple browns, if you will. Oolong, by definition, is partially oxidized. So that means it's anywhere between green and black. So you can have, you know, a 20% oxidized oolong. So this feels like a good time to once again say that other than the so-called herbal teas, which are made with hot water being poured directly over herbs, spices, or other plant materials, all of the teas that you see in the wild from grocery store shelves to a trendy matcha cafe, they all come from the same plant. And the thing that makes them different primarily is the way in which their exposure to oxygen is either encouraged or disrupted. And this is what we mean when we talk about the processing of the tea. It's extremely wide, therefore, you know, so many flavor profiles can all be called oolong tea. And um, so that's really the main sort of, you know, cate- categorically how we define what oolong tea is. But what are some of the variations that you see in an oolong tea from Taiwan that makes it particularly prized? So oolongs are sort of a later stage development in the Chinese tea cultivation. Like the Chinese didn't wake up one day and create it like 15 different kinds of tea and like call it a day. Like it was, you know, through a long thousands of years, in fact, of development and change and trial and error that they gave you different styles of tea making and oolong being sort of the later style. By the time of the Shang Dynasty from 1766 to 1050 B.C., 
Tea was being consumed in the Yunnan province for its medicinal properties. Um, I think the earliest records of tea production is like 2,000 years BC versus I think long tea came around, I don't know, year 700 AD. So like it's a, it's a few thousand years in when I think the monks sort of figured it out um, how to make an in-between processed tea. And so through thousands of years, China obviously has a you know, a beautiful list um, of oolong tea that's available very specifically made mainly, you know, in Fujian area in the Wumi Mountain. And over time, because of the close proximity of Fujian to Taiwan, literally like it's a tiny ocean way away, um, there's a lot of natural migration that went to Taiwan, and that includes some of these oolong tea makers that have been there for generations. From 1895 to the end of World War II, Taiwan was ceded by China to Japan as a result of the First Sino-Japanese War. Because of its geography, Japanese occupation was deemed a strategic necessity for military ambitions. During this period, most of the social, economic, and cultural changes in occupied Taiwan were driven by technocrats living in the colonial government. It was during this period that Japan became invested in Taiwanese tea and, in 1903, developed a governmental agency specifically for TR&D, or Research and Development. Taiwan has a really quite a unique uh, historical reference that influenced, I would say, heavily as to what the product begins, you know, what becomes in the sense that it went through Japanese occupation for about 50 years. It bypassed the cultural revolution that happened in China. It sort of was its own independent ruling democratic society, which, you know, people having be able to pay for things that they like, sort of, you know, encourage economic consumption of tea as well. So you have those influences in Taiwan that really makes the tea quite different from where it came from. Um, very early on, 1903, the Japanese sort of looked at the Taiwanese teas and was like, these are wonderful products that we should really invest in. And so they had started a research center called Tea Research Extension Station. It's run by a bunch of chemists and engineers, and all they do is study the tea plants and create new tea plants and facilitate the education of farmers. They run local competitions and they'll go out and teach you what they're looking for so then you can win. And if you win the competition, then you have your your teas are auctioned off and um, it's heavily financially rewarded. So it created a very um, healthy circular loop um, for the farmers to elevate their skill sets for a lot of the technologies from, you know, that Japanese was known for that was influence into the production of the teas. This agency is still very active and alive today and it's sort of facilitated a lot of the development of either varieties or types of teas or method of making. So that is something that is extremely unique to Taiwan, the island alone that differentiate the products that came from out of a Chinese heritage in Fujian. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles 
ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. How are these teas actually grown? You know, if you go into the mountains, you'll find indigenous tea plants, of course. Um, that's probably how it started from the very beginning. But over time, nowadays for commercial cultivation, you really see them sort of, you know, trimmed about waist high. They're usually about three feet tall and for ease of harvesting, because when we harvest the tea plant, we really harvest just the young shoot of the tea plant. So to make it easier and you don't have to climb trees, because, you know, if you let a tea plant grow, they can pretty, some of them can grow to like two, three stories high. Um, and we only use the baby bud and maybe like the young shoot to, for tea production. And this is true for very fancy tea and looked at, right? So it's consistent. And to make that easier commercially, nowadays, pretty much everywhere that you go in the world that produces tea, you'll see most of the tea plants sort of like around three feet tall. When the tea bud comes out, you just graze the top of the plant. And this is done by hand? Depending on where you are, I think sort of for Taiwan. And the one thing actually I forgot to mention about you know, what makes Taiwanese tea unique. It is an island, um, has a ton of moisture from the ocean. It also has, it's on the Tropic of Cancer, which is literally like where probably the, you know, very ideal, if you will, for tea cultivation. It has a very good, you know, what we're familiar as the term terroir for the tea plant to be. So Taiwan, on, in addition to having all these cultural heritage, actually has a very good, and provides a very good environment um, for tea cultivation. As for Ceylon and oolong tea, much of the tea around the world is still picked and processed by hand. 
That's because during harvesting, workers are solely picking the bud or the tip of the plant where the newest growth lies. The flush is the mostly newly sprouted leaves and the flush harvest can contain up to five leaves, but the most valuable is what's called the golden flush, which is only the first two and three leaves that are harvested and made into tea. Because farmers don't harvest all the leaves on the plant and are just picking the newest, youngest growth, there are specific seasons for harvesting the tea plant. In the warmest regions where tea grows, like Sri Lanka where Ceylon tea is cultivated, harvesting seasons are long, while in most of the northern regions, tea is harvested only a few times during April and September. In Taiwan, Elena's farmers have developed a balance between hand harvesting oolong and technology. So another way of like human interaction as far as hand harvesting or machine harvesting, you you could have it both ways. Um, obviously, hand harvesting is much more precise. Um, you can get exactly the part of the plant that you want and certain teas calls for just the bud. Or if you have bad weather and sometimes, or you have, you know, 50 acres of land that you need to harvest in a few hours, you need a machine. So it really depends on scale. It depends on the terrain of the land. Um, parts of Taiwan has these high, really, really high elevation uh, tea gardens, which are 2,000 meters above sea elevation. And these are mountainous terrain where it's not easy to, you know, run a machine through. So most of those land, you have to hand harvest. Um, and obviously that drives up the price, it drives up the cost of the actual harvest. But certainly it's worth the you know, expense probably because they're so precise, um, well-made TVs that are picked one by one by a human. If we want to be better drinkers of these fine oolongs, how do we mm -hmm. uh, prepare the tea so that we can drink it at its peak? If you want to start drinking better tea, the first thing to do um, is when you get to either whatever what's available to you, whether it's a tea store locally or in a grocery store, look for a tea that doesn't have flavorings. So meaning, you know, sometimes when you smell some teas and it smells like peach or it smells like raspberries, it smells like, I don't know, sometimes chocolate chip, I don't know, I think everything is, you know, I don't know, strawberry tea. sounds cheesecake. unfortunate. It's, chocolate chip tea? Yikes. It, yeah, that exists. Oh, um, no. I've seen banana bread teas. Um, so I would say stay away from those. Um, that is step one because what happens in those teas, and we know nature doesn't give you a chocolate chip. It's from cacao beans. It's not from Camilla Sinensis. So it's usually anything that smells like strawberries, peaches, and what have you. That's not a tea plant. And so I usually highly encourage people to smell the dry leaves. If it smells like these additives, then don't get those because what happens is if you use a fragrance tea, you don't really need the tea to be very well made. You will cover it anyway with peach fragrance generally look for pure teas and that's either pure green a pure white a pure oolong or a pure black 
So try the different categories and sort of narrowing down to a category that you like. So either um, something that's grassier, or something that's more malty, or something that's toasty. Um, and don't feel like there is a right or wrong way to consume tea. If it's too strong, add some hot water. If it's too weak, put it back in the teapot for a little longer. So that's where I just want to set the stage because some people feel like it's something really precious and it's not. It's it's like I tell people it's like Kool Aid. You just add water if it's too strong, if it's too you know casual. Every tea is different. Everyone's palate is a little different. So never feel like you're going to ruin something. You're never going to ruin Nothing bad happens. And then the other one is not restraining the tea leaves. So nicer tea leaves generally are rolled in a certain way that they really need room to expand. And foley teas, particularly, they're rolled really tightly, so they need room to expand. So don't put them in a, you know, a really small tea ball that, where physically they are unable to open. Um, we generally recommend putting the tea leaves in an open vessel, like in a, whether it's in a teapot or in a pitcher, where it's not constrained by a physical space or a tea bag or a sachet. And that way, you sort of let the teas have the most room to expand and therefore you get the most flavor and it's the most productive way I would say of um, extracting tea as far as brewing so you really want um, those leaves to unfurl freely that's right right that's right and then the brewing temperature the generally generically the Gruner style the tea the the lower the temperature pretty much regardless of what type of tea it is, because otherwise, if the temperature is not hot enough, it, you, it won't open and you can't actually extract all the flavors. Tea leaves can be processed by drying the leaves out in the sun. These withering techniques reduce the water content and make the leaves pliable enough to move on to the next step, which is called rolling. Traditionally done by hand, rolling tea leaves into compact balls helps to break down the leaf cell structure. This releases the juices and the oils from the leaves and encourages a more uniform oxidation, just like the tea company's oolong tea. Uh, there is a reason for historical advancement to roll teas into these tightly um, rolled pearls. One of the reasons is for transit. You're um, able to transport a lot more tea with a smaller physical space, so they're densely rolled, um, a safe space. Uh, the second, it's, it protects the integrity of the shape of the leaves. So when you brew them, you don't have to break them. Therefore, you keep the shape of the leaves, which has less broken surface area, which will give you less tannin extraction, which gives you a better mouthfeel. And now I really sound like a nerd. Um, <laughs> right there with you. And one of my favorite things about teas in this style is that I find the drinking of them to be so pleasurable in the ways in which the flavor profile changes with each steep. Yeah, I would say really good quality teas. They're made 
with the idea in mind that you will repeatedly steep the leaves. Like we tell people, generally is three steeping is enough, um, but feel free at home to do up to five and ten. But basically what's happening is different molecules are moving in fragrance oils and molecules that's in the tea leaves are moving at a different speed when you brew them. So for instance, caffeine as, in, as a particle, it's the first, thing it extracts is caffeine um, if you're brewing with really hot water and usually the first two infusion are the most caffeinated and the third and the fourth are less so so if you imagine that the same principle applies to i don't know the chemical that makes the tea smells like flowers it has a different traveling speed than some of the other ones so as you're brewing different infusions um, you're extracting sort of different particles um, every time and that sort of gives you the slight variation in, you know, in the multiple infusion, in different steepings, if you will. So that's something that is really fun for someone, like kind of what you're saying, that you're sitting with the tea and you sort of are enjoying. It's like a little journey, a little tea vacation that you take, and it's really just like between you and the tea and your friends if you're sharing the pot. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. So this is a poem called A Tea Song. Danchu was an immortal who cared nothing for rich foods, but after picking some tea and drinking it, he sprouted wings and flew to the abode of the immortals to escape life's emptiness. Now he lives among the clouds in a palace unknown to humans. His tea is brewed in a golden teapot 
by a young immortal who lives upon a peak amidst the clouds. How worthless is Lu Yu's classic of tea when compared to this? That is Chiyo Jin of the Tang Dynasty's tea song. I grew up, you know, seeing tea in my in my family and in my culture as the thing that always brought people together. Warist Alawalia is our next guest. Born in Amherst, Northern India, and raised in Brooklyn, New York, Alawalia is a designer best known for his House of Wars fashion and jewelry line, but he's also an avid tea connoisseur. For Wars, tea is a social connector, one that he learned about from his mother's traditional hospitality. It was the first thing you offered when someone someone came over. You would invite people over for tea, and you know when I would when I would go to India with the family, you know it was it was there. It was the first thing. It was it was the last thing. It was just a part of living, mm-hmm. right? It was integrated. It was woven into existence, mm-hmm. and so it, it it was something I was very familiar with. As an, as an idea. And what kind of tea was being served in your home? It was traditional tea. My mom would take, you know, regular black tea and then, and then add cardamom and cloves and spices to it, you know, what she, what she grew up with. Indian tea leaves are not prepared separately by being steeped. Instead, tea leaves are boiled along with additions like spices and then boiled again after the addition of milk and sugar. In many parts of the country... The most special cup of tea is one in which the tea leaves are boiled separately in milk. If you had people over, you had tea with them, or it wasn't a big thing. It was just always present. Tea has brought people together. Tea has been about community. Tea has been about layers and layers of of stories, of, of gathering, you know, and tea used to be its original purpose was medicinal. That was how it started and it grew from there. Um, and even, you know, used for social gathering. For Wars, tea played an omnipresent role in his childhood home. Its importance in Indian homes is tied to the fact that it is the second largest producer of tea just after China. Its most famous varietals are Assam, which is a bright tea with a malty color, and Darjeeling, which is a delicate and fruity tea. Assam, Darjeeling, and other varieties like the Duars, Tarai, Masala, and Sikkim are all named after the regions that they're produced in. So each of the teas is influenced by their environment. Assam, for instance, needs low altitudes and rich loamy soil and ample rainfall in order to thrive, while Darjeeling, on the other hand, grows in the Himalayan mountains, which is the highest altitude tea-growing region in the entire world. The high altitudes force Darjeeling to grow a little more slowly, increasing its chlorophyll content, which results in rich and slightly apricot and peach-like flavors that you taste in the tea. Beyond commensality and terroir, Indian tea has had another significant function, its use as medicine. 
The Indian system of Ayurveda has a long-standing tradition of herbal teas. Traditionally, these teas have been used for centuries to treat conditions like digestion, stress, inflammation, and improving memory. The use of milk and sugar in chai is an intentional addition to disguise the stronger, more bitter flavors and medicinal properties of cardamom, clove, and ginger. Drawing on his culture's understanding of health and medicine, Wars relied on T's wisdom when dealing with his own physical stress and anxiety. Right, there were days I felt like I couldn't even breathe. I was suffering physically. I was suffering. It was just it was terrible. And then when I went through that experience, I I realized that I wasn't alone in my suffering. Everyone goes through this stress, right? Everyone goes through it every day, right? Like not being able to pay bills or or relationship stress or or loss of life, or bad health, whatever it is, we, we constantly we constantly are faced with it, and and not everyone has access to that kind of uh, what's called alternative treatment, or know how to get to those people, right? And so then I I, I went back to my herbalist and I and I put a team of herbalists together, and we started making blends that that would help deal with everyday building blocks. We need to sleep better, so we made a, a sleep blend. We need to improve our digestion, so we, we made a digestion blend. There are moments where you might overdo it, you know, uh, you know, in, in in life, and so we made, you know, like a, a, a detox blend, and but just spent years on making these blends, and making these, finding the right ingredients, and and trying to. Wars found that tea relieved his symptoms which ultimately became his inspiration for his own line of teas called Wars Botanicals. Now we're, we're, you know, we're launching House of Wars Botanicals. And it is, it's like a multi, multi, multi-faceted enterprise that, that uses tea as its starting point in the conversation, that uses tea as a, as a gateway, as a, first, as a first step towards talking about much larger issues to have much needed conversations. So when you look at it historically in all these ancient cultures, tea has brought people together. It had an anchor in people's lives every day. To end our podcast today, we travel to Tianjin, China, where a family friend, Gufu or uncle, explains how he brews his favorite cup of white tea. Today, the tea we're drinking is a pu'er tea. This song pu'er is a type of black tea that is a variety of fermented tea from the Yunnan province in southern China. This type of tea has over 400 years of history. It's one of the most well-known teas of Yunnan, as it was bestowed as a gift to the emperor of the Shanlong dynasty. To start, we will put our leaves into a large teacup. We'll begin our first steep, which is called the Yuncha, where we pour our water at 100 degrees Celsius into our cup. 
Yuncha serves the purpose of both allowing the leaves to unravel and also serves to wash away impurities. Pour these into your small individual drinking glasses. These are small ceramic glasses that are about the size of a double shot glass. Give the liquid a quick swirl to warm your glass and pour away into the tea stand reservoir. Once we've poured our glasses out, we will pour our 100 degrees Celsius water into our large teacup with leaves. We'll leave it to steep for 60 seconds. Once we finished our steep, we will serve the tea in each of our individual ceramic glasses. This is an anonymous poem inscribed on an old Yi Sing teapot. Willow branches graze the grass as I sit in the shade drinking tea. A note from the flute blows clearly, mingling with the sound of rain. I could sit here alone forever, and still I'd never feel lonely. That's all for this episode of Point of Origin. Thanks for listening and supporting the Whetstone podcast, where we travel the world to champion food as a means of expanding human empathy. Please, if you like what you've just heard, rate us, review us, give us five stars so that we can continue to make these podcasts just for you. To keep abreast with all things Whetstone, follow us on IG at Whetstone Magazine or online at whetstonemagazine.com. That's W-H-E-T-S-T-O-N-E magazine.com, where you will find the latest on all things Whetstone, including the details from today's show and information about purchasing our print magazine. Special thanks to Celine Glacier, our lead producer, to Kat Hong, our editor, Quentin LeBeau, our production intern, and to my business partner who makes all things at Whetstone possible, our co-founder, Melissa Shi. Thanks, Mel. And thanks to our friends at iHeartRadio for helping us bring you this podcast. To Gabrielle Collins, our supervising producer. And to Christopher Hasiotis, our executive producer. I'm your host, The Origin Forager, Stephen Satterfield. And we'll be back here next week with more from Whetstone Magazine's Point of Origin podcast. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. 
Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.